0: Greetings, both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at Simmons at Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to History and Film, talking about Season 1 of Vikings again this week. And last time we kind of talked about all the basics of the Viking Age and kind of the general premise of the show, and we're just going to kind of continue talking about Season 1 here and some of the things they got right and wrong, and just kind of about the show in general. And just kind of looking at my notes here, this is maybe a little out of order, but It's kind of the name of the game when you're talking about something so vast and just there's not like a good place to start or end a lot of these talks, but just kind of because it's near the top of my notes here. The women in combat and the shield maidens. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can start by talking a little bit about Ligertha, who is like Ragnar. She is another one that's uh,
1: not a like actual person historical figure, but
0: more like a legendary figure in viking lore right very much the you know uh queen guinevere to ragnar's king arthur yeah
1: but more badass
0: <laughs> yes way more badass there's nothing damsel in distress about ligartha exactly this is also one too like i could never it is ligartha but in the show i always hear it as ligartha like, I think that's that's an accent thing. It's just
1: the it's a non-rhotic accent, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, good use good use of the word non-rhotic. I always forget what that <laughs> means. And I know it's it's basically it is how you pronounce your Rs, right? Yeah,
1: uh, uh rhotic is where you say R like Americans say R, which is actually not very common as far as accents and pronunciations go. A lot of okay. accents and languages are actually are
0: non-rhotic. Like Boston would be non-rhotic.
1: Exactly. ka. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's why. So even though it's Lagertha, we're here at Lagertha. Right, Lagertha. Exactly. Okay, okay. Nice. That makes sense. So yes, uh, she is a legendary figure. There are thousand-year-old stories that talk about Lagertha, the shield maiden, and she is in the lore, the wife of Ragnar Lothbrok. Uh, so they didn't invent that relationship for the show, which, I again, I think is kind of cool that this this is an actual... Well, not an actual... It's a legendary couple. This yeah. this uh these two were tied together in stories for centuries and then they get put in the show. I I just I just think it's a cool concept. The idea of the shield maiden is an interesting one too. They, they I, this is something that kind of came up at the at the museums I was visiting last summer. We don't know a lot about the historiocracy, histor whatever that word would be of shield maidens. So there are a lot of examples of women buried with weapons mm-hmm. in the Viking Norse cultures. But they think a lot of that might just be ceremonial.
1: Oh, really? I would think that you wouldn't do that unless it was, unless they were like a warrior.
0: Well, I because I, I, and I think the reason they think that, though, is most of these finds, there's no evidence on the bones that these women ever saw battle. Oh, right. Okay,
1: gotcha. Yeah,
0: so it's a pristine skeleton with a sword and a shield. I'm like, right. well,
1: which did back then? Th- that didn't happen. That did like even even you know successful or like you know experienced warrior. Like you were getting caught in something <laughs> at some point. Whether it was you know you're breaking a bone or you're getting right, stabbed, Right, as- breaking an arm or something. Right, exactly. right. Something yeah. your skeleton is going to show some sort of damage.
0: <laughs> no, not exclusively. There, there were. Right some where oh this woman does look like she saw battle or something but does that necessarily mean she was active in battle so historians are kind of torn it, it, we, do, we actually don't know for sure one way or the other we don't know for sure that there was extensive use of women in combat but we also have no reason to say there for sure weren't women in combat other than i guess they I made mean, the lack of a lot of skeleton female skeletons with evidence of battle there are a couple historians or you know people at the time who did witness apparently women in battle uh like here's a a byzantine historian looking at the wikipedia page who saw women fighting with the vikings uh around uh bulgaria and stuff so it does look like it was a thing but not to the extent which they show it in the show they they get to where some ba- it's kind of funny like like early on it's mostly just the men and then like Ragnar doesn't let Lagertha tag along at first, yeah, and she's kind of put out by it. But then later, you get to where shows like, oh shoot, like Lagertha is leading like a full on
1: an army of yeah, just just women, yeah,
0: right. So I would say that probably didn't happen, but there would be women in combat from time to time. Yeah. Was probably the way to say it. so. It was it was uh, it happened, but probably not on the level that we see in in the show. And the idea of there's also maybe a difference between. Women being in combat, and then straight up, these women heralded as shield maidens who are. There's almost like different things. you get have women in combat without calling them shield maiden as this whole separate kind of higher up yeah. thing that the show kind of paints them out to be. It's a cool term, it's a fun idea, yeah. but again, the hist- historiosity, there's, I, I don't know if that, I'm saying that word right, but it's maybe a little dubious. But yes, Ligartha, definitely a legendary figure who is tied to Ragnar. And we did not mention really and I we'll still say Bjorn maybe uh, for later because he comes a lot becomes a lot more important later. Yeah. So their their son in the show is Bjorn and I don't it's probably not till season two that he gets the nickname Ironside though, right?
1: Uh yeah, because it's not until he goes to I think it's when his first his first trip to England, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I forgot if that was in season 1 or beginning of season 2, but I think it's season 2. Okay. So we'll we'll talk more about Bjorn later, but the 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 simple version is that he is historical. We don't know a lot about him. But we have just enough evidence to know that there was a Bjorn Ironside, and then the legends are that because we don't know the actual father of this historical Bjorn Ironside, it is a common legend That he is a son of the legendary Ragnar Lothbrok. Right. And the show just makes that the truth. So Bjorn real. Don't know who his father is. But again, the show didn't invent that. The legends of Bjorn Ironside being the son of the legendary Ragnar Lothbrok. That's a centuries old tale. So it was another thing that was not invented for the show. But Ligertha was not Bjorn's mother in the legends. He's usually credited with being another son of Ragnar and Oslag, who we see later as another wife of Ragnar. So the, the in the show, they basically have Ragnar and Lagertha. Well, they do have a couple kids, but their daughter dies of, of illness mm-hmm. while Ragnar's away. And then uh, Bjorn is their only surviving child. And then Ragnar hooks up with Oslag and she becomes his second wife. And he has all the rest of his sons with her. Right.
1: Uba and and Fitzirk and Ivar the Boneless
0: and Sigurd, yeah, Sigurd Snake in the Eye. That's a cool name. <laughs> I like that one. Oh yeah, yeah. And, but and again, I love that the show didn't make that up. So, but now again, I, are they all born in season one? Or are they? Are they, are no, they all no, no, no. Ivan
1: born? In, I don't think so. I don't. I I think that's. I think
0: maybe ube's born in season yeah. one. Maybe. Let me let me look. Oh, okay. So I, I do have the notes here. So in episode nine, in the last episode of season one, Oslag reveals she's pregnant. Gotcha. Okay,
1: so okay, so okay. season two is when all of those other all of Ragnar's other sons are born.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's real quick. So we, we will get more into Oslag next time, but we, she does show up at the end of this season. So it is worth uh, mentioning her. She's another one that the show did not invent, and even her little history within the show is tied into these actual stories that are hundreds of years old. So in the show, she basically says she's like the daughter of a god. But like, that's what the legend is of her—that yep. she was the daughter of. It's a, actually so she's the. I don't know if this is the name they give in the show, but with like the actual legend of the actual Aslog. Again, she's legendary too. There is no actual Aslog or whatever, but Aslog, Oslag I'm going to say that different every time. <laughs> but yeah, her father was this legendary Germanic guy who killed a dragon and all. And I think they mentioned him killing a dragon in the show, don't they? Yeah. so again those are the little details honestly that just continually tickle me about Vikings is that they don't invent all those little details right. they take these hundreds year old legends that also like was the son of a guy who killed a dragon and then she's straight up saying that in the show yes my father killed a dragon and you're like does she actually believe that but it's like that that's that was the world they lived in with the uh, the religion at the time oh and that's actually something I meant to get to last time that we kind of ran out of time for is the Norse religion. Not that I wanted to do a super deep dive, and I'm definitely not an expert on Norse religion. But It is kind of funny how it ties into the Marvel Universe, of course, mm-hmm. through Thor and Odin and Loki being characters within, right. within
1: that. And they have uh, Asgard. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and they call Earth Midgard. Yes. Just like they do in the show. Yes.
0: And, that, and that's, all, that's all is correct. And so yeah. I did watch a, I watched like a whole video on kind of the breakdown of uh, Norse religion, and it's fairly similar to the roman roman pagan religions if you kind of think about that with you know Mm. the gods and the tears of god so even though like one through marvel and you know kind of a loose understanding of norse religion you kind of see like oh odin is the all father he's kind of the main god god but similar to what you see in roman and greek ones it's like yes but he was also the son of these other gods and the son of these other gods so it's like it wasn't like he was like the og god But he ends up still being the main god, very similar to Zeus. Zeus wasn't the first, you know, Roman or Greek god or whatever. I guess Zeus was actually Greek, right? Because Jupiter would be the Roman version, or Saturn. I get those all kind of confused. Yeah, but Zeus is Greek because all all the planets are after the Roman gods. So Jupiter, Mars, those are all the Roman versions. So Zeus was Greek anyway. There was the Titans before them, and you know, Zeus ends up being the main god, even though he's not the first god. Very similar to Odin on the north side, and then Odin does have multiple kids including Thor and Loki is tied to the history of the ice giants, which is again it's kinda funny how Marvel actually does a good job too of not inventing some of these Mm -hmm. things and then adapting them for their comic book world. And so it's just kind of neat when you see the Thor movies talking about ice giants and all that stuff. It's like, oh no, yeah, that's a that's a two thousand year old story they're talking about with Loki being an ice giant. Yeah. And they talk about uh Valkyries.
1: There's a Marvel character named
0: Valkyrie and yeah. Right, right. So I'm not trying to tie this into the Marvel stuff, but that's almost that's kind of where most of our audience is going to be familiar with the Norse religion. Frankly, yeah, is from the yeah. the Marvel movies. But yeah, so I mean that that was their mythology was the stories of these gods and their being in Asgard, and that you, when you die, you can go be with Odin in Valhalla, and Odin is the All Father because he's the father of the gods and of humans, and so that was their belief structure, and we definitely see that in the show where they're. Wanting to or they're they're interpreting things in their lives as signs from Thor or signs from Odin, and I think that's a fairly accurate representation. I feel like some in the show they're inconsistent with some things as far as but at the same time, I do think from what I was uh looking up, it wasn't like it was a particularly dogmatic religion either we're we're kind of used to you know modern Christianity or Islam or Judaism where there's kind of these set structures of the way you run through things and either a a mass or a ritual or whatever and just kind of like it's dogmatic you know here's how we do this i don't think religions were like that a thousand years ago and the norse religions and other religions around the world were a little softer and it's like oh i'm or this region into here they're more into thor and then you know 100 miles away they're more into odin and these rituals and it was all still the same religion but it, it could be uh maybe quite a bit different and and less tied to specifics Which we kind of see in the show. So, yeah, we're interpreting things this way. We're doing these human sacrifices this way, but not all the time. And then the one thing they mentioned in uh, episode eight, they take this big pilgrimage to Uppsala, which is just north of Stockholm today. So that's another thing where I was like, it didn't seem in the show like they were traveling that far. If you're going from anywhere in Norway and walking to Uppsala, I mean, that's gonna be a months long journey. Or weeks, I guess, anyway. Yeah. So, in the show, I guess they did make it, they kind of show that it's a definitely a trek, but I guess I didn't get the feeling in the show that it was hundreds of miles away from Katagat. Of course, again, it's tricky because Kattegat's not real, but Uppsala is real. So, when they go to Uppsala, that is real. Yeah,
1: but they, they do some stuff like that, though, with, uh, Making stuff seem like it's a lot closer than it is. Like, welfare. You'll see them, you know, leave, they'll they'll leave Kattegat in their ships and then be in England in what looks like two days. Or even even better, they'll be in what is Paris. It'll be like, oh, that journey looks like it took them like a week, which is probably
0: a big, you know, underestimation for how long that trip actually takes. Right. Yeah. How they deal with time is kind of interesting because. Time definitely passes. I mean, we do think the series covers about 40 years. Yeah. But, yeah, you forget that that adds up when, like, oh, one season, they're just going back and forth between these two places a couple times. Yeah, that's three years right, right. there by the time they yeah. do this raid and get home and then pack back up to go on another raid. It's like, yeah, it's going to take three years right. to do all that. Yeah, so there's a specific – I mean, I'm on the Wikipedia page right now for the Temple at Uppsala, and basically that was a – actual norse religious you know place and so they have our vikings go and go and visit it now it was destroyed in the 11th century but we do have evidence that this place actually existed so it's kind of cool they go to this place to kind of it's kind of a pilgrimage for uh ragnar and and all his uh people and they take athelstan who's of course then very confused about uh or shocked and appalled at all these things but they are pulling from norse religious things you know Uppsala specifically is intentional and in that there was a temple there and so i can i just like that they're including a lot of these these actual things so the rivalry that's kind of been set up this whole time in the show between ragnar and earl Haroldson, played by again by gabriel Byrne, kind of comes to a head so ragnar's uh, determination to have all these quests going off into England are successful, and the Earl is kind of resentful of that because Ragnar did it initially without his consent, but right. then obviously realizes it is a good idea, so he's okay with them continuing to go, but he wants it all under his jurisdiction. Yeah. So it's kind of just butting heads between everyone rallying behind Ragnar being this basically genius who's figured out this new way to do these things that can get us more riches. Basically, it becomes a battle of their egos. Right. Ragnar deserves this higher rank and more credit, and the Earl feels he's losing grasp on his power Mm -hmm. with uh, the upstart, Ragnar. And so it kind of comes to a head. He, I think he arrests Ragnar at one point, and then they basically challenge... Ragnar challenges him to a fight to the the death, and the Earl accepts, and Ragnar wins and kills the Earl and becomes the Earl. Yeah. So Ragnar's gone from farmer to then, obviously, successful raider and pioneer, uh, and he is now the Earl of... I guess catagat, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I should, should, should remind her. It's been I watched these six seasons of the show over the course of probably the last five years, and so it's just it's uh, some of this stuff isn't necessarily recent in my mind. The other thing I forgot to mention last week when we we're talking about ships is so they got the new ships from Floki that make everything possible with the speed and all that stuff we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. But the other one is in Rolo asking in the show. I think this is even season one or sorry episode one. Rolo asks him, hey, all that's great, because they, they have this little uh, a remedial compass. It's basically a floating piece of wood with a needle in the middle, yeah. and you draw circles around there. So you ba- basically, it's a rudimentary way to tell your latitude. So if you check it at noon every day, you know if you're sailing too far north or too far south. And then Rolo asks him, okay, <laughs> that's great, but what if there's no sun? And if, if it's overcast, you're now screwed for a whole day.
1: And they use that, uh, that rock.
0: Yeah, called like a sunstone. And Ragnar holds it up and basically it just kind of filters out the cloud light it kind of basically it, it it makes sense like it kind of finds the brightest spot through the cloudy sky and you can kind of see where the actual sun sun is shining right. through and it does look like when I was looking up some of the youtube videos on viking ship technology and stuff like that yeah it's it sounds like that was a thing like when they've dug up dug up stuff and you know viking ships they've they found some of these remedial navigation tools mm-hmm. so they're just kind of combining things and rounding things to short the, into the story but that seems about right, I think that fits with how Vikings would have navigated with these rudimentary compasses with these stones so i I think that was not just something they made up whole cloth or took from a completely wrong time period. That probably is how you would have seen Vikings navigate to England, so another good uh good addition in the show so as Ragnar is becoming higher up in the Kattegat world, when we go and visit Uppsala, which we just mentioned. We do meet another king and basically be the king above Ragnar. Now he's Earl, but he's still subject to the king Horik. And this is where I was getting a little confused because historically Horik is a real person. He's King Horik of Denmark and Ragnar's in Norway. And so I, I honestly am a little confused on if the show I actually forget in the show, if he's the king of Denmark or he's just the king of this area. In the Vikings' wiki, it
1: calls him King Oryk Getrickson, King of Denmark. And it says he forges an alliance with Ragnar. So I think he's not king over Ragnar's territory, because Ragnar is Earl of Kattegat. But because he is a king and Ragnar is an earl, technically he's, like, higher ranking.
0: Okay, okay, So so Ragnar swears fealty to him. It's not, like, a required thing other than... If you don't, I might try to take your territory. Right. But if you do,
1: then we can all have this big alliance and help each other out.
0: Right, right. So the last two things here we can kind of mention in this episode uh, gets into, we kind of shift. Basically, we're getting bigger. The whole world of Ragnar is getting bigger. It's gone from just, you know, a farmer on Kattegat to Earl of Kattegat and raiding into England, and now he's making an alliance with King Horik of Denmark and kind of swearing fealty to him, so basically they can just take a bigger force and get more stuff when they go raid England, mm-hmm. and there's always a little bit of the, do you trust this guy? Does he trust you? Is someone going to try to basically murder you and take your stuff? So there's, there's always kind of these tensions at play, and we'll get more into King Horik when we getting to season two here but he is a historical figure and we'll probably talk more about him later the one i want to talk about now is we do meet king Ayla of northumbria mm-hmm. when the vikings are kind of continuing to raid over there but again here's one where the timeline doesn't work out so the show starts with the similar to rollo he's a little bit older than rollo though king Ayla of northumbria who we see in the show <laughs> not long after the vikings raid northumbria or i mean Lindisfarne. Which that is like the one event. Well, it's the one event so far that has like a fixed year. That was yeah. in seven ninety three. Right. Well, King Ayla wasn't born until eight fifteen. Right. So here's what it's. If anything, though, I feel like most of the show, most of the stuff they did with the show, when we get to Alfred and all these other other people, it's mostly the ninth century. The and the, kind of the middle of the ninth yeah. century. Most of the events in the show that actually happened happened in the middle of the ninth century. And if anything, the raid on Linda's farm is the one they kind of pulled up and made it happen later. We don't see any years in the right. show. I don't know if they ever really say I what year stuff is do. happening in the show.
1: And that's good because it would get
0: it would get so confusing. Right, right. So roughly and you, you can kinda say, so King Ayla, actually we have a nice five year window here. If you want to say that this part of the show is set between eight sixty two and eight sixty seven, that's the five year period where King Ayla ruled. Now that doesn't also fit with Rolo, because Rolo would have been a little kid. So, like, like I said, everything is is uh, not quite timing up perfectly. Again, it's it's a television program, Logan. Yeah, well, and in
1: real life, King Ayla was only king for five years. But in the show, I mean, it's, it's years and years. Because he's like, he's the king when they first land, and then he's the king when alfred the great is born and then he's like still the king when alfred the great is like
0: a teenager well was he still i couldn't remember at what point ayla i know it's not in this season but at what point ayla dies compared to alfred's age though that's why i couldn't remember
1: he's like i think he's a teenager
0: oh okay okay I, I couldn't remember how the timeline worked there but yes you're right that would definitely be more than yeah. five years then and but yes he he was an actual king of uh northumbria uh, the other thing the show deals a lot of a, a lot with is the sibling rivalry between Ragnar and Rollo we you know, we talked about it a little bit of being uh an issue last episode we we talked about it, but it gets to the point where it's not just sibling rivalry and jealousy it's straight up. is Rollo going to betray Ragnar, and that comes up over and yeah. over again. first Earl Harrelson tries to get him to betray uh Ragnar and then. Basically everyone's trying to turn Rollo against Ragnar. And it's not
1: it's a good as far as people trying to get one over on Ragnar, it's a good strategy because like Rollo's jealousy is such a is such a huge lever that it's makes it very easy to turn him against Ragnar. Like it happened, you know, multiple times in the show. It it comes up. And it ends up having, like, big like geopolitical implications, too. <laughs> As the show goes on, it's like all these all these big events. It's like, oh, yeah, this happened because one brother was felt
0: overshadowed by another brother. <laughs> right, right. And uh, so I, I, the bat, again, my memory's not perfect. I'm kind of just going by notes here. They do get Rolo by the end of season one. Rolo basically does agree to betray Ragnar. But the battle, I don't think, happens until we get to season two. So right. yeah, that's correct. This like uh, King Horik, and then the he's a major figure in the show, but he seems to be fictional. There's a Jarl Borg mm-hmm. who seems kind of be the I forget if he's kind of an intermediary between King Horik and them. Ha- but he's
1: a he's a another ruler, he's not a king. I think he I don't know if he's an earl or what, but he has a well,
0: jarl and earl are kind of the same thing. Okay, so he has a. Uh, like a territorial dispute with King Horik. That's what it was. Okay. So they're kind of frenemies They go back and forth yeah. between, I'm under you, I'm going to betray you, and then he's trying to recruit Rolo and Ragnarok. Right. Okay, yeah. So all the honestly, all that stuff gets really confusing, and since this made it for the show, we don't really need to go into it super deep. And then the one other thing, let's end with Ragnarok, as all things end with. <laughs> all right. So uh, this is one I kind of forgot until the show, uh, or so the notes kind of reminded me, but... Ragnar kind of gets upset. So stand is very curious about learning about Norse culture. He's still kind of a strict Christian. Of course, he, I think he kind of starts to waver later, but uh, he's definitely kind of torn as well. Anyway, he's very curious about the Norse religion, and he's asking Ragnar about Ragnarok, and Ragnar kind of doesn't want to talk about it. Almost like it's inappropriate to ask about Ragnarok, but obviously the third Thor movie was Thor Ragnarok. Right. Actually, a very good uh, movie in the Marvel Universe. Yes. But Ragnarok is basically the norse rapture for all intents and purposes it's it's the it's the end times for for the norse well
1: it's it's, it's like the norse apocalypse like the there's like a huge, a huge yeah, battle yeah. between like all the gods and it ends right. with the world like sinking into the ocean or something like that yeah it's crazy it,
0: yeah it, it is a, it is a big thing in the norse, norse religion um the video i watched on on youtube though you kind of talk about how it's also kind of the spiritual reset, so like, That's true. Yes, it's the end times, but then stuff survives, and like, but then, but it's like more like a cycle, right? That then until the next Ragnarok right. comes around. It says
1: that after after each Ragnarok or after Ragnarok, there's a male and a female human survivor, and then it's like they then repopulate the earth, and it kind of continues on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a little little short than last time. Of course, a lot of this kind of just bleeds over into things we can talk about when we get into Season 2 next time. So, yeah, uh, that's what we'll do. So, thanks for listening, and we will get to Season 2 of Vikings next time.